0: Today's guest is Jason Zanopoulos, the Chief Vision Officer and CEO for New York City at VMLY. And R. It's one of the founders of internet businesses in South Africa, of digital agencies in South Africa. He once wanted to be a filmmaker, give Steven Spielberg a run for his money. Instead, he went into the corporate world and for a while was the youngest chief executive of a JSE listed company.
1: When I came back from studying at New York University, my intention was to make that film. It turned out to be much harder to get the film funded than I thought it would and that's what led me into starting a web development company and that led to a relationship with Prime Media and then eventually Metropolis. So after Metropolis failed, I pulled the script out of the drawer, dusted it off and made the film and so in many ways it had taken me eight years from the time I started writing the script to actually getting it produced. So it was very much the fulfillment of a lifelong dream. Out of the failure of one thing emerged the success of another and I think I've realized that You know, when something doesn't go the way you planned, it often opens up another door.
0: It's been an adventurous 20 years or so, Jason Zinopoulos.
1: It most certainly has been. The, uh, The world of media has changed very rapidly over that time, and I feel like I've been surfing that wave.
0: I mean, is it a case of surfing the wave or trying to find new ways of doing things in media? Because the media has been up for grabs, really. The digital media has been up for grabs for two decades now.
1: That's true. I think, to some extent, it's um it is both of those things. I mean, I do feel uh, like surfing the wave and taking advantage of of new opportunities are in in many ways the same thing, because I think that you know I, I sort of came into came out of university and into the world of of communications as a profession at the time that the internet was really becoming mainstream. The world wide web had just been, uh, it just been sort of popularized, and that that you know triggered a complete change in the way brands communicate with consumers, and the way media companies uh, take content to audiences. Um, and so the wave that I talk about is really just that that sort of um, wave of change that one could either you know sort of buckle down and get get smashed by it, or you could actually you know see it as an opportunity and and ride it and that's what i've tried to do
0: you were for a while the chief executive of metropolis you were 28 years old you were the youngest ceo of a jse listed company those were the heady days of the dot-com boom and then the bust and and metropolis sadly didn't work out but you must have learned a hell of a lot not only about the internet and running businesses online but also about the 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 difficulties i suppose of running a, a listed business
1: absolutely uh bruce i think that you know metropolis was was sort of uh you know very much a, a sort of forged by fire experience um it was as you say the 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 heady days of of the dot-com boom and bust when we listed metropolis our shares kind of quadrupled in value overnight uh, and then fell through the floor six months later and of course it was a you know, it was a pattern that we were not alone in experiencing. It was something that um, companies across the world, and particularly in Silicon Valley, were experiencing as well. Uh, it did, all of my experiences with, with media have taught me a lot about um, communicating within a connected and sort of digital world. But but what Metropolis taught me particularly was, you know, about some of the challenges and difficulties. And And in many ways, I feel that the what didn't work in Metropolis has provided me with some of the deepest, most profound lessons of my career.
0: I mean, did you feel like a bit of a genius as your share price went up four times in a matter of weeks and suddenly you're, you're riding the crest of this wave to, to torture that analogy a bit? And suddenly when it all goes pear-shaped, did you still feel like a bit of a genius? Did you feel like a failure <laughs> at the tender age of 28 where you've overseen this highly public fall of a company?
1: I, to be honest, I don't think I ever felt like a genius. Um, I, I did feel incredibly fortunate and very much like we were in the right place at the right time until I discovered that we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think that you know to be completely honest, and this is maybe sort of bearing my soul a little, but to some extent, you know, I I didn't feel like much of a success at all through that period, and including. The time when the share price was going through the roof, because I had set out in my career with an intention to become, uh, you know, a writer and a film director and, you know, and and an artist, so to speak. And um, I had uh, I had taken this sort of unexpected and somewhat surprising segue into the world of business and found myself, um, you know, as a as as the CEO of this listed company at a fairly young age and. Many people around me, particularly those who had ambitions to succeed in business, you know, thought I must be must feel like I'd fulfilled my my life's ambition. Actually, I felt like a bit of a sellout and a failure, even at the most successful uh, points during that period, just because I felt like I wasn't following my you know my my true path. And it's it's taken me a while to figure out what what that was and to you know to maybe um appreciate that success. Uh, a little more in hindsight
0: But, but that gave you i suppose when metropolis went it gave you the space then to realize that dream and you worked on and released a film called promised land you you wrote the script for promised land you won the best screenplay award at the 2002 tokyo international film festival i mean that was must have been another high point i mean it was one of those things where that's a big box ticked and you've been globally recognized for that work
1: Yes, that very much was a, a box ticked. I think that you know, I um, when I came back from from studying at New York University, I my intention was to make that film. Uh, it turned out much to be much harder to get the film funded than I thought it would, you know, and that's what sort of led me into. I ended up starting a a web development company, and and that led to to uh, Metropolis. Um, the 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 relationship with Prime Media and then eventually Metropolis. So, so after Metropolis failed, I did, I sort of pulled the script out of the drawer, dusted it off and, um and made the film. And so in many ways it was, it you know, it had taken me eight years from the time I started writing the script to actually getting it produced. So it was very much the fulfillment of a, you know, of a lifelong dream. And, uh, um and, and so, you know, out of out of the failure of one thing emerged the success of another. And I think I've you know, I've started to be a little more philosophical about these things and realise that that when you know when something doesn't go the way you planned, it often opens up another
0: door. Was it commercially successful? Because, I mean, another internet pioneer in South Africa, Ronnie Aptiaka, one of the founders of Internet Solutions, I think made about 10 movies. He's the most commercially successful one. Material, I think, broke even. Um, these things are, are labours of love. Um, and if the internet was tough in the early days, making a movie is a mugs game, unless you are a, a Hollywood film producer with big budgets behind to you and, and lots of money to burn and great distribution
1: absolutely it was not and let me repeat it was not a commercial success um it was a critical success though you know it did very very well at um film festivals around the world it won many awards in addition to that um uh, the tokyo best screenplay award and it as such created a calling card both for myself and for many of the other people that were involved so i think You know, many people were able to create opportunities for themselves off the back of it, but it certainly never generated profits. In fact, we were only able to make promised land because we put together a, a, a deferral scheme in which all of the actors and the crew and everyone else involved in the project actually came on board and deferred. Their fees. We would never have been able to fund the film otherwise. At the time, there were many, many international films being serviced in South Africa. No real South African content. So when a film came around that felt like it was our own story, people were amazing. They really leaned in and they, they, you know, they got involved and 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 they didn't get paid. They, you know, even even some of the companies, the the car rental company, etc., all put their services in uh, on a deferred basis. As a result. During the film, there was a joke among the crew that that the film wasn't called The Promised Land. It was called The Promised Rand. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) that that promised Rand never materialized other than, as I say, I think everyone involved in the film, uh, you know, fortunately, and I'm very proud of this, I think is still very proud and grateful to have been part of it. It was a very, very special project, but nobody made money out of
0: it. But the fact that you've only made one tells the story that we need to know, I think. Yes, yeah, so
1: I actually did make a couple of other films uh, after that, but um, that was uh, uh, definitely an indication of you know what what one could hope for commercially making films in South Africa. I think um, you know there is no doubt about the fact that there are um, some great stories of, of commercial success in the film industry, uh, not so many in South Africa uh you know where the where the audience is tiny to to be honest i think you know i, I sat on the board of stokinical for for some time after we acquired stokinical at, at, at prime media uh, to fill out our entertainment strategy and and one of the things that the team there always used to remind me was the fact that south africa makes up 0.6 percent of the global audience for film so not very big
0: one part of the economy that has grown in leaps and bounds, and there have been some very successful digital agencies launched, and you did that in 2010. You founded an agency called Native. In 2013, Native then became part of the VML network. They became known as Native VML. And again, you went on the Global Awards Acquisition uh, Trail. You did well at Cannes in 2017 and 2018, and then you got yourselves named as the Global Entertainment agency of the year and this is my sense that you finally found that groove that you sort of were meandering towards for a long time so i think that's absolutely
1: true i mean many people i think in the industry in south africa for many years thought i was schizophrenic because i was you know i had written and directed feature films i was a creative director at an agency I had started businesses, I was directing commercials, I was directing feature films, and I think people were kind of saying, well, what are you? Are you a film director? Are you a creative director? Are you in advertising? Are you in entertainment? You need to choose. And in fact, fortunately, what history has shown is that I, I actually didn't need to choose because all of these things have converged, and it is in the convergence of advertising, entertainment, digital and traditional, the merging of all of these things that has really created the you know the opportunities that exist for us today and certainly the opportunities that we try to to harness at at native and now at, you know vml and and the VML and vml and Y&R.
0: isn't the internet a magical thing I mean the internet has connected the world like nothing else has ever done before I and mean, it, it's deeply destructive in some respects some social media is absolutely toxic and awful but the world on balance, is considerably better off today than it was 20 years ago, courtesy of the connectivity that the internet has brought.
1: When I first got involved with the internet in the early 90s, um, it was very much the you know the, the the dawn of a new age, and I think there was a very idealistic view that we all had of the internet. It was going to be this egalitarian playing field, the great leveler, the thing that would dismantle the you know the kind of uh, unfair hierarchical control that 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 you know that that corporations had over the ordinary people, etc. In fact, of course, the internet has kind of been hijacked by uh, you know by 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 corporations and has been turned into the biggest amplifier of wealth in you know in history. Um, I think though that that there you know I, I believe very strongly that as human beings as all you know beyond human beings as all sort of sentient things we have a an innate desire to be connected in fact one might argue that we are already uh fundamentally connected and we're simply you know kind of re-exploring those those connections or well, the internet really gives us a sort of physical manifestation of that interdependence that interconnectedness that we all share and in that sense it's a giant step forward on the evolutionary scale as we move from you know and separate individuals to a more connected and collective uh, kind of consciousness. Um, Unfortunately, though, uh, the Internet, and particularly, as you say, social media in creating those connections seems to have created a whole lot of Unintended consequences that lead to a paradoxical disconnection—a kind of these echo chambers in which people become, you know, completely uh, their their biases become amplified, and 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 as you say, this the sort of toxic nature of 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 social media in which kind of hate and anger seems to be amplified, and of course, fake news, which is you know is 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 bringing into question the sort of fabric of you know of of reality and what we can believe. So. So there is no doubt, uh, you know, both both an an upside and a downside. I think it is a a fundamentally important and unavoidable step in our journey forward. But I think it requires, you know, a a large degree of of introspection and and. And caution to be taken in in how we apply this technology
0: nowadays you're based in New York VML YNR you are the chief vision officer which is one of those techie titles that doesn't mean very much other than you're very important how do you navigate then a New York environment as a South African as a creative as somebody who has traversed the world and has had this multiplicity of experiences
1: so New York has been interesting, uh, a really amazing challenge. I, I studied in New York when I was in my twenties, um, and so in many ways I had always wanted to come back to New York. It was a, a little bit like a homecoming. So I'm actually, it, it is true, I have this um, this group uh, chief vision officer role. Actually, that role is is was one that um, referred mainly to the fact that that I had uh, a, a very strong involvement in developing the new positioning and kind of go-to-market strategy for VML YNR and, you know, creating VML YNR out of the merger between VML and YNR in the first place. Um, but but really my my focus now is on two things. I'm the CEO of the New York office and I'm uh, one of two chief creative officers for North America. So my focus is very much on um, trying to to build the New York office after a massive merger into, into a, an agency that is capable of really being at the forefront uh, of where marketing and communication is going. Um, and as chief creative officer to really, you know, to help create an environment in which we are able to develop and deliver regularly and consistently, um, you know, the, the, the kind of work that will, will really take us to the next level. So, you know, it's uh, it's obviously um, moving to a new country is a huge challenge. I have a wife and, and uh, uh, teenage triplets. So, you know, we have we brought a big family over here. Um, but it's been amazing. They've all settled in really well. And and the opportunities are, are immense.
0: Is it very anyway. Mad Men? I mean, is it is it at all like the TV show of the what, the 1960s?
1: So it's funny. Some people tease me about that because I, I live in a, in an area of uh, one of the river towns in Westchester and I commute into the city every day, exactly like Don Draper did. Oh, you I see, to, I knew you know, instinct. <laughs> a big network agency. Um, you know, YNR was certainly one of the, one of the agencies that was, was part of that, you know, what, what Mad Men was based on, uh, you know, Bruce, unfortunately, I think those were the kind of the healthy days of advertising. We don't drink uh, bourbon at ten o'clock in the morning and we don't get to kind of walk in and write a tagline on on a flip chart and then drop mic and walk out the room and, you know, ignore clients that they don't like what we do. No, it's not very much like that. I think we live in a way, way, way more competitive world in which clients are far more demanding than they ever seem to be of. Of Don Draper. so no, it doesn't feel too much like that.
0: What's next then? I know it's a it's an early stage of VMLYNR in New York, um, but do you, do you sort of see America as your as your hunting ground as your playpen now? Um, I think so. I mean, I don't know about America, but I think
1: global. So I think we're you know we're we're loving being here. But I think the for me the intention was really about creating a bigger canvas. Uh, on which to work. I, I love South Africa, and I, I think we did some amazing work there, and you know, it's um, obviously remained very close to everyone at at, at VML in South Africa. Um, we're all still part of the same network, um, so I think there's no doubt about the fact that from a creative point of view and an opportunity point of view, South Africa and Africa offers tremendous opportunity, but um, I think in terms of developing work um, you know, for a bigger audience, a broader audience, a more global audience, that was always, an, you know, an, an aspiration of mine. And, and this really creates that canvas. And, and uh, I you know, my intention now is to try and fill it as best as possible.
0: Beyond the personal achievement of teenage triplets, they've, they've survived into teenagehood, which is admirable, <laughs> um, where kids one at a time are hard enough. What's your biggest professional achievement? What do you regard as that one moment where you went, boy, this is it. I think I've cracked it.
1: Um, I think it's more amazing that I survived until now <laughs> than they survived until now. That's a that's a difficult question. I think that um, I you know I think that there are um, there are many things in in my life that I wish I had done differently or I'd done better, and then there are things that I you know I really uh, I really relish. Certainly, Promised Land, even though it's by no means a perfect film, and you know watching it again, it's you know clearly a a first film, but the process of writing and, and directing and getting that film made was a was a professional uh, highlight for me. I think the other though, I think the other two, I'd say the one is is you know I've, I've founded an, uh, a number of businesses, but Native, which grew into as you said Native VML and and now VML South Africa, um, and you know was was certainly something that I'm incredibly proud of and and uh, is very much. Uh, Um, a career highlight. The third, I think, is being named Entertainment Agency of the Year at Cannes. I think a small, you know, relatively speaking South African agency to be named the best entertainment agency on the planet at the biggest awards show in in advertising was something that I think I I still remain amazed by. Um, And particularly because branded entertainment is the area of marketing and communication that I am most interested in. It is, it, it is the point of convergence between the many kind of passions of my life being both marketing and, and entertainment and, and film.
0: What is it about this country, about South Africa, that boxes so far above its weight in the world of advertising, in the world of branding, in the world of, of digital agencies, as you've just spelled out?
1: I'm not sure. I think that... South Africa has always, you're right, has always had a good reputation as far as um, advertising is concerned. Um, I think we went through a period where um, a lot of the work that we were winning for as a country was good, but it was very much in the uh, more tried and tested older channels in television and radio in particular and print. Ah, uh, but we really battled to break through into cyber and mobile and entertainment and and these other areas, which you know more recently we have started to to make inroads, which is great. I I think that you know overall, what Africa has and South Africa has, but I say Africa, even though I know as we all know, Africa has many different things, and every country in Africa has a different set of dynamics. But there is there is a there is a cultural renaissance, a kind of creative revolution that's happening in Africa that, you know, I haven't witnessed anywhere else in the world. And and I don't talk about this in advertising specifically, more in terms of music, fashion, art, um, you know, the kind of things that are happening on the street. You go to, you know, the Zeitsmoke in Cape Town and see some of the work that's emerging from South Africa and the African diaspora at the moment. It is It is clearly the exploding identity and voice of a uh, you know, of a of, of a people or a culture that has been suppressed for many many years and is now you know kind of finding its way. And I think that there's something incredibly vibrant and vital about that. So I, I think South Africa and Africa has a huge you know continues to have a huge amount of um, of raw creative power that, if channeled correctly, is you know I think going to continue to make a bigger and bigger impact. Uh, around
0: the world. This week's solutionist thinker, Jason Zanopoulos, the chief executive for New York City at VML YNR. Thank you very much for joining us on solutionist thinking.